Hello, and welcome to With Faith in Mind, a new podcast by Upper House. I'm Dan Hummel. Uh, I work at Upper House. I'm the director of university engagement, and I'm one third of this podcast hosting team. Another part of it is John Terrell, executive director at Upper House. Hey, John. Dan, great to be with you. Great to be launching this new podcast. Yeah, really exciting. And there's a third person with us on this journey, and that's our producer, Jesse Koopman. How are you doing, Jesse? Great. It's really a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, um, we're excited to be bringing you this first episode of the podcast. And uh, before we get into the actual content of the podcast, I want to share a little more about who each of us is. Um, John, we'll start with you. Give us a sense of... uh, what brought you to Upper House and uh, and what you do here? Dan, I'm the oldest guy in the room. This could take a while. Um, <laughs> well, actually, I've been at Upper House about eight years. Uh, I was hired as the executive director to get Upper House started. Mm. And um, we have grown significantly. I think we have, you know, dozens of staff members now. Mm. Uh, but I remember the days when it was just me and I was just trying to figure out how to how to even hire the next employee. So it's been an amazing journey. I have spent time in higher education. I worked at Seattle Pacific University, leading a center there, which at the time was called the Center for Integrity in Business. It's now called the Center for Faithful Business. Uh, I spent some, some years with InterVarsity grad and faculty ministry, uh, leading their professional schools ministries team. Um, so I had work uh, in Boston at Harvard Business School, mostly, but also at MIT, and then traveled around the country helping start professional school ministries in areas such as business, law, medical, dental, veterinary science, um, things that we typically deem professional schools in a a university environment. I have a background in business, did an MBA, uh, worked as a consultant in human resources and organizational development consulting, um, worked in banking, and along the way, um, during my years in Boston, um, pursued seminary education. And then while at SPU, Seattle Pacific University, was able to start and then finish, once I arrived here, a PhD in industrial organizational, uh, industrial organizational psychology. So it's been a bit of a circuitous um, path, mm-hmm. but uh, have really for many years worked at the seam of business, the academy, um, and, and the church. When you... Uh- when you started Upper House, any idea that podcasting would be part of the project back at the, the beginning? No, we were just trying to survive day to day, quite honestly, <laughs> trying to get this place launched. Um, and no, I had no idea that podcasting would be a part of the equation. And now we actually, you know, have a, a, a number of podcasts that we're, we're running. So, um, right. yeah. so it's been really exciting to see this part of our project develop. Yeah, not just podcasting, but all types of sort of digital stuff. Yeah, right yeah, now. it's really cool. And yeah. I think, you know, COVID really acceler- accelerated this as well. And that's going to be a, a big theme that probably comes into a lot of our conversation um, with respect to higher education. So many different models of the way that we deliver education these days. Yeah, yeah. And John's previewing our, uh, our topic for our first series, which is on Christian education. Jesse. Yeah. Give us a little sense of who you are. What brought you to this seat right here right now. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, I don't have quite the length of story that uh, John might have, but um, yeah, I'm born and raised Madisonian. Uh, I've been a, wow, a participant at Upper House for a long time in terms of coming to their programming and uh, enjoyed working with this team on various things in media over the years, usually just producing videos for you guys and uh, so forth. But uh, when you guys uh, posted a opening for a podcast technician. I don't remember what the job title was. I was like, Producer, eh, I think, yeah. we'll, we'll give it a go and see what happens. We'll have some conversations and see how it goes. Uh, and I really wasn't expecting much. I actually thought I'd be bored in six months just editing stuff for you guys. Uh, but it's been <laughs> quite the, the thing where you guys embraced me and allowed me to help with the vision casting for it uh, and really take on more of a true production role as opposed to just somebody who comes and records and edits for you guys. Uh, so I've been incredibly blessed to be a meaningful part of this team and uh, really enjoy the process of of creating a mission and a vision and uh, to um, really help you guys jump off the ledge with mm-hmm. making this a bigger, more exciting thing than I think you guys originally had in mind. So um, thanks again for the opportunity. I'm always going to be grateful for you guys. And uh, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Awesome. And yeah, since Jesse's joined, um, we've moved from basically um, 
producing a good podcast, the Upwards podcast, another one of our podcasts. Um, but really, uh, just sort of trying to tread water on that. So now we're, we're launching new things and we have, uh, big ideas in the works for the future as well. Uh, well, I can tell you a little about myself. Yeah. Um, I've been here at Upper House for, um, about three years now. And, uh, I come from UW. Uh, I got my PhD in history here in American religious history. And before that, uh, I, uh, was in Colorado and I spent a lot of my childhood in Colorado. Before that, I was a missionary kid, uh, spent some time in Germany, but, uh, the big two places I've lived are Colorado and here in Wisconsin, uh, with one short stint in Cambridge, Massachusetts at Harvard and another short stint in Jerusalem, uh, for some research. So, um, I am a pretty, uh, big podcast listener. So when COVID hit and we were trying to think about our project here and how we could do things when we couldn't actually meet in person, that was one of the first sort of types of media uh, I was thinking about. And I've enjoyed um, uh, hosting the Upwards podcast for the last two plus years now, um, but also with Jesse coming on board, dreaming about uh, other things we can do. So um, we'll get into sort of the distinctive thing that this podcast is going to do, but I think more broadly, podcasting is a great way to have long conversations and uh, uninterrupted long conversations and uh, to dive into issues in a much deeper level than um, a lot of other media, uh, including TV and radio, can let you do. Yeah, and one of the things we hope and one of the areas that Jesse's had to coach me in um, is the area of, of really learning to be yourself mm -hmm. while you're on a podcast. I mean, I... I Listeners, you're going to learn that, you know, we, we wrestle with ideas where we don't have fully formed thoughts. We have to, when we think about programming here, you know, we spend a lot of time um, together trying to conceptualize what it is that we want to pull off. It's a messy process. Um, and so hopefully some of that will come through in the podcast. Um, yeah. We're going to do interviews. We're going to talk. We're going to share our own insights. Some of our insights will be fully formed. Others will be half-baked. <laughs> and we we... We hope that'll be actually exciting uh, for the for you as as listeners to just really be a part of that. That's right. That's right. Well, let's jump into uh, this podcast and sort of what we're hoping to accomplish with it. So it's called "With Faith in Mind." We came up with that uh, title a while ago. It probably means something a little different uh, to each of us. John, when I say "With Faith in Mind," when you think about this podcast, what does that mean to you? What are we trying to get at? Yeah, that's a good question because it, it, it's been a few months since we actually came up with the title. We actually did have a you know a, a really good brainstorming session around this. I, I, I we often um, I think in general there, there there's a there's a tendency to to not always bring our whole selves uh, into our work or our decision making or our conversations, and I think at times we can we can. We often think about the Christian faith experientially mm. um, or emotionally, um, and one of the the things we have tried to raise in our work on campus at University of Wisconsin is that that there is a deep connection between our faith and our cognitions. Mm. That um, our faith um, can be complementary to our best um, intellectual endeavors, and um, and. Conversely, um, our intellectual endeavors can enliven our faith. And so with faith in mind means that um, our faith and our, our mind, our best thinking, can be um, compatible projects. They're, they're both a part of who we are. They're part of our whole selves, and we can bring both of those ideals into our best conversations. Yeah, and I think what I think of when I hear that title, it resonates a lot with what you just said. I think of it in two ways. It's sort of that you can, you can play with, with faith in mind in two ways. One is uh, with faith, uh, keeping it in mind. So keeping it at the forefront of, uh, of these conversations that, that are going to be about all different types of topics that aren't, um, a lot of them do obviously intersect with religion and faith, some of them less so. And so um, keeping uh, Christian faith in particular at forefront. Um, but there's also the with faith in the mind or, or having faith be animated by mm -hmm. one's uh, intellect and uh, thinking. And so in both of those ways, um, I think that's one reason we landed on the title in part was because we could do a few different things with it. Um, I think it will really signal uh, what we're about and the types of conversations we want to host um, with the podcast. 
Now, Jesse, you were in the room when we uh, came up with this. In fact, I think you were leading the uh, the thought. The yeah, Jesse, I think you were the one. Ta- you were the I person was, taking notes. I was notes. taking notes. You'd think I'd remember, right? <laughs> uh, actually, I actually think it was uh, our uh, uh, communications writer who uh, came up with it, Susan Anderson. Um, but uh, I think it's really great because for me, my intellectual side has been uh, really underseen in the church uh, in my upbringing in my in my faith life. And uh, often it's been almost even discouraged uh, in, in the church interactions that I've had. And to uh, be able to, in this environment, in the university setting, in a Christian study center environment, uh, really just embrace the intellectualism that I define myself as uh, is really, really exciting. And to be able to dig into issues that are core to my identity and my understanding of who God is and to how I kind of feel about God and how I feel about myself. Um, and, and bringing the intellectualism into that is really, really exciting mm. uh, to know that what I think is just as important as what I feel. It's mm. not just what I experience, but it's how I think about those experiences. It's how I think about um, what those experiences mean mm-hmm. and how God's working in them. And I think there's so much that I'm really, really excited to take that more academic approach to exploring some of these questions uh, about what our faith means mm-hmm. and where it comes from. Uh, so I'm really, really excited. Yeah. Well, you mentioned something, Jesse, you called us a Christian study center. And that uh, for people who know Upper House, that, that might be an obvious term. For others, they might not be familiar with it. Uh, Christian study centers are a type of, of organization out there. Um, there's a consortium of Christian study centers. And many of us who call ourselves Christian Study Centers are right at the intersection of the church world and the academic world, often at major university campuses. Upper House is at that intersection, and we also serve the broader Madison uh, community, the, the, um, the business community, the civic community as well. So when we think about questions, when we think about conversations, we're always thinking about how to bridge those different uh, communities, those different uh, often siloed uh, uh, communities that have their own ways of talking about things, that have their own ways of stating their own significance. And we get to sit sort of in the middle of all that and try to adjudicate some of that, but also just get people talking to each other across those lines. So um, it's really natural for us to think about bringing an academic perspective to some perennial faith issues and also to bring some perennial religious or church issues and and talk about them with uh, academic people. So um, that's sort of the the DNA uh, of what we're doing here. And hopefully that'll come through in the podcast. Yeah, I like that. I think that's really true. And then just this holding together um, these ideas of heart, soul, mind, and strength mm-hmm. and the opportunity we do. And sometimes we need a little bit more heart. Uh, sometimes we need a little bit more mind. Sometimes we need a little bit more of strength, right? So, and, and sometimes, you know, depending on where you sit, uh, organizationally or institutionally, you might need a little bit more of what somebody else offers from another perspective. So in many ways, the Christian Study Center movement and our role here at Upper House is to, is to try to hold all of those in balance and bring those to, into the context and, and environments in which we serve. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really huge. And uh, it kind of goes along with kind of our model for where we're going in podcasting in general at Upper House, uh, as we have this monochrome of think, be, do, uh, at Upper House, and uh, it's kind of what we're modeling our upcoming podcasts around. Mm-hmm. We're starting off with Think, obviously, um, with the with faith in mind, but we have other podcasts that we're working on uh, pitching out here in the next year uh, for Be and Do, mm-hmm. and to bring all those different aspects of our whole selves uh, to the table and exploring them each and within each podcast, but each specifically with a unique perspective in each uh, podcast as well. So. Uh, keep an eye out for those podcasts that are coming out too. We're really, really excited about all of them. So, mm. all right. So that's a bit about the with faith in mind uh, mission and and vision for the podcast. Uh, the way that we've structured this podcast is it's going to be uh, delivered in uh, in different series. So we're going to have um, a, a number of episodes around a similar topic with a lot of interviews. They'll be bookended by uh, John, me, and Jesse talking through. Uh, the topic here at the front end and then debriefing at the at the back end with a lot of interviews in the middle. This is a bit different than our original podcast at Upper House, which uh, it's called the Upwards Podcast and is really a, a, a regular interview podcast with guests that that sort of intersect with uh, with Upper House. 
here we're, we're focused on diving deep into particular issues and spending a lot of time <clears throat> trying to understand them, talk to experts, talk to people uh, who are on the ground with some of these issues to get a better sense of them. So our first series, the, the sort of inaugural series for the podcast, uh, we're calling Christian Education at the Crossroads. And uh, uh, we want to unpack both key terms there, Christian education and the crossroads and exactly what we mean by that. John, do you remember, uh, I have my own recollection of why we picked this topic, but, but what, what was so pressing that we should talk about Christian education sort of as our first topic on the podcast, do you think? Well, I think part of it is that you start with something that you know something about. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a, a space and a place that we inhabit. Study centers um, are a unique and innovative and, and newer offering. Mm in the context of, of Christian higher education. I think in addition to being able to, to really tap into some of our areas of expertise, we also just really enjoy and read the headlines. And there's been so much in the press these days from loan forgiveness to scandals um, to higher education being under significant strain in the season of COVID and even before right. to people questioning the economics of higher education. I mean, it, there's Probably not a day that goes by in a mainstream newspaper that you can't read something, a uh, headline that is addressing major um, challenges in higher education. That's right. So that's yeah. a big part of it. And then yeah. you layer in the church and all of the news that swirls around the church, uh, and you've got a, you've you've really got an interesting um, possibility for a podcast and and an opportunity to really dive deep on some really important issues. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think we were thinking in part about who are some people that we really want to talk to. And a lot of them happen to be in the Christian higher education space or the higher education space. I also think uh, that a Christian study center is a place of education, but it's not, it's, it's newer, as you mentioned. It's also not the traditional uh, model. I mean, if you were just to list sort of the, the enduring uh, types of education spaces, the schoolhouse, the high school, the college, Christian study centers aren't on there. And we particularly chose the phrase Christian education to make sure that it was broader than just higher education or even formal uh, education. Because we do a lot of stuff here at, at, at Upper House that isn't formal in the sense of accredited by some outside body or something, and yet is very formative to the people who are coming through and, uh, and learning things and reading books and, and other things. Yeah, and I think we even had some offhand, offhand conversations um, about Sunday school and just yeah. some of the mm -hmm. traditional offerings in, in churches. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how many years ago, a couple decades ago, you started to see churches let go of some of those um, priorities. There were small groups and other, other vehicles that were used by churches to, to help draw people into the life of the church, education, educate parishioners and church members and so forth. And now I think slowly over the last year or two, I have started to notice um, more of those Sunday offerings starting to come back mm. in mm -hmm. a more traditional sense. So, and I'm sure there's been uh, troughs and valleys in the life of the church where Christian education has had a more prominent role. And then at times it has been uh, subsumed into some different, you know, a different kind of format or different kind of offering. And then maybe the, over time, the traditional uh, models seem to reemerge again. So I'm just right. curious about, you know, even the life of the church, how Christian education is is offered and expressed. I think that's really interesting. Uh, something I didn't really think about until we're literally all sitting here talking about churches doing education, but we all go to Blackhawk Church uh, here in Madison, and we just started offering some new classes uh, about um, various aspects of our faith and, and, and Christian life. So uh, it is interesting to think about, even in our own congregation that we're a part of, uh, seeing kind of a crossroads in or tipping points in education where things are shifting a little bit for us. Right. Um, I also really wanted to just say that I thought when this topic was first pitched, I wasn't very excited about it. Um, and then I took it 30 seconds to think about it and I'm like, okay, we're a Christian study center. Why would I not want to talk about Christian higher education mm. or Christian education in general? Uh, it's like the most logical place for us to go. Mm. Uh, so I was really glad uh, to just take a step back and embrace it. Uh, but I also think it's really great for you guys all to get to know us and in, in our fields a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I think in this pay, uh, place of Christian education at the crossroads, we'll get to talk a little bit more about who we are and our perspective on education, but also how we approach things. 
is this is something that we have all thought immensely about. So I'm hoping that we all get a chance to share more about who we are, our perspective, how we think about things, how we feel about things. And as we tackle more controversial topics or more difficult topics or uh, more embedded emotional topics, uh, that you can have more of a perspective of who we are as individuals and how we approach things as opposed to just getting the, the nuts and bolts of stuff. Right, right, right. And I think we, we have a historian in the room as well. And I think mm-hmm. that is something we wanted to, to layer in as well, is to take a historical perspective. So it, mm-hmm. it, these issues are not just issues of today. They're issues that we've wrestled with over the life of the church. And so we want to take a long view, both forward and backward, to really understand what new, what new space is emerging, what new possibilities are emerging. Yeah, and to be clear, John is not speaking the third person. He's not the historian, and neither am I. It's Dan. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Dan Hummel is a a fantastic historian whom I've really come to appreciate and uh, get to know over the last year. Um, With that being said, I love the the historical approach that you bring to things, Dan. Uh, What's your approach or or how do you like to tackle things, John? Um, I know you don't generally approach things from the historical perspective. You often think about things in an institutional way or through an organizational way. Uh, But how would you say your primary way of dealing with stuff is? Well, I probably bring a management science lens. I bring an organizational science lens to things. So I'm interested in um, how institutional institutions take form to serve the audiences and um, customers, um, stakeholders that they're called to serve. So in a lot of ways, you could think about the life of Christian education through an organizational lens. What mm-hmm. forms have emerged that help address needs at a particular time? And certainly the evolution of the church and the megachurch and the way the church has changed and is changing today coming out of COVID um, certainly has um, had impact on the way that it offers um, its, its educational um, offerings. Right. So, so I, I tend to take, you know, a, a often an applied organizational um, and management perspective, but I also am really interested in history as well. And um, I've had a chance to, to meet, you know, uh, leaders that are leading in different parts of the church. And so I'm always, you know, interested when, I, um, when I'm able to, you know, identify with the challenges the particular leaders face at the particular point they're serving in the broader church. Um, and so that tends to be an angle that I, that I take on as well. Yeah, I think we're going to try with with all of these topics, and particularly with Christian education, as we started, to to sort of uh, sprinkle in the history. And av- we actually have a few conversations that'll be directly related to the history of Christian education, of higher education. But our primary co- interest in this is is sort of that at the crossroads part, which we we intend to mean for right now. Sort of where is Christian education right now? Where is where is it heading in its next era? So that being said, as we get to uh, this other term in the, t- the topic titles, crossroads, what do we mean by crossroads? John, I remember just a few months ago in a staff uh, retreat, we read an article um, about continuing education in the church. It was from, I think it was from 1978 mm-hmm. in Christianity Today, um, where similar phrasing around crossroads was being, and that's, you know, uh, Forty uh, something years ago, and so I think in some ways every generation feels like Christian education is at the crossroads. Right. So we don't want to say that we're in some unbelievably unique turning point here, but there are different challenges that each uh, era brings for education. And I wonder if we could—you mentioned a few of them earlier. Uh, there's uh, financial uh, considerations, changing ways that we fund education, changing. Uh, uh, sort of benefits of going to a seminary or a Christian college, um, or changing benefits to taking a Sunday school class if your if your church offers that. When when I say or when we say that Christian education is at the crossroads, what comes to mind in the crossroads? Like what what are the what are the roads and and what are the the sort of main uh, tension points that we want to explore in this series? Yeah, there there are there are a lot of layers to that. It, mm. I think we could probably think about a crossroads in the life of the church. We could think about mm-hmm. crossroads in the context of higher education. Mm-hmm. We could think about uh, crossroads probably in, 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 in primary and secondary education, mm. Christian education. So yeah. each of these, um, I think, presents um, 
an array of unique challenges. Mm. And we're going to try to explore all of these, mm. uh, but I, and, and to tie the threads together in some ways. But I think fundamentally, you know, the church always has to be thinking about how it's going to continue to have impact in the world for mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. How will it continue to, to invite people into an experience of life with God, life with Jesus, and how will it continue to, to, to serve um, communities, to serve those in its midst? And it has to make decisions about how it is going to train people to, to think about what the church is to be in the world. Yeah. And to bring some, you know, continuity of historical context and understanding of scripture and to create a common language so that there can be a common life. Mm. And so I think it, at any given point, the church has always been in a crossroads because it's always had to wrestle with those questions. How does it create life and impact beyond the life of an individual member or congregation. Yeah, and I, I think too of the just the Great Commission and the command to make disciples. And I think often we think of that in terms of, uh, you know, bringing new people into the church uh, through missions or, or other things. But there is the also the making disciples is a generational process. Um, that's all, that's another way of of bringing people into the church. But it's not. It's, it's sort of a a chronological way as opposed to a spatial way or, or, or an immediate way. And so, so much of Christian education is about educating, uh, the next generation of Christians. The, 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 there's no, there's no, um, uh, default way where, where the traditions, the ideas, the, uh, the happenings if the history of the church just automatically get passed down to the right. next generation. It's through institutions, it's through education. Um, and it's also the way uh, education is also the way w- how uh, how current Christians and future Christians um, are strengthened in what they know. Uh, so I think uh, Christian education is just at the center of so much of what uh, the church is called to be. And it's become such a large part, uh, such a large uh, uh, not industry uh, network in the United States and, and abroad for where Christians work and where Christians uh, sort of put their put their energies in any given day. Yeah, and we, we get glimpses of the future, so we can look way out in the future. Um, and, and the book of Revelation, Isaiah, there are, there, there are pictures of the new heavens and the new earth, and they're populated with people, and they're also populated with institutions mm. and things that we recognize, um, cultural artifacts that mm. are uh, representative of the kinds of things we interact with today, mm. right? So discipleship making christian education the life of the church um plays out in relational personal terms it also plays out in really important institutional terms as well yeah that's interesting well i think one uh other aspect of this that we can explore is just recounting our own personal experiences in christian education settings i think that'll be an interesting um i know john you and me we have pretty uh maybe opposite ends of, Mm -hmm. of this experience but you talked about this a little in your bio at the beginning, but uh, just list for us again, what are the in- Christian educational institutions that you've you know, been a part of, either as a student or help lead? Yeah, so I, I came to faith after college, um, and so the, but came to faith through a local church community mm-hmm. and a group of guys that invited me into their small group. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a product of the good work of the local church. Mm-hmm. And I then, in graduate school, my MBA program had a really profound experience with an intervarsity graduate community, graduate student community. And so I really benefited from the parachurch, or what some refer to as a more sodality ministry, something that you know complements the work of the local church. And so InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, InterVarsity Graduate and Faculty Ministries was a big part of, of my development. Um, I have I wor- spent time working and leading uh, in the context of a Christian university, Seattle Pacific University. So I have been on the inside of a Christian college mm. and know what that is ab- about. Uh, and then also working in a study center, Christian study center. But even when I worked in business, um, there were times of 
profound, a deep and profound sense of the spirit at work in that place. Mm. So I tend to, um, I, I think Christian uh, before as a modifier to organization is appropriate, mm. but I think there are there are Christian organizations because they're they're you know commissioned and incorporated as such, but there are also organizations that are deeply um, uh, infused with the Spirit of God, that people that you know mm-hmm. bring the presence of God, and they take on a characteristic of their own that can be very Christian. And I've had experiences in both of those contexts. And so I think, um, you know, it's going to be fun to explore some of the topics that we're going to explore and to think about the impact of Christian education for the life of all of our institutions more broadly. Yeah, that's very interesting. Thanks for recounting that. I think of, um, so I'll, I'll tell you what, what I, I was thinking, I was anticipating, John, that you were um, going to go there and, and you have a, just a, a wealth of different organizations or experiences. I don't think I have that many, um, I th- which is odd for, for someone to say who grew up as a missionary kid and then um, has been and now working at a ministry. But um, I, I, to the point where I, when I, I went to non-denominational churches for most of my childhood, um, there weren't really adult education offerings. I didn't even like going to the youth groups. I just wanted mm-hmm. to listen to the sermon. So um, I didn't really have uh, an educational experience in the church. I definitely had a lot of education at home. My parents were very intentional about teaching me, um, you know, basic, uh, ways to read the Bible, to understand the Bible, basic theology and things like that. Um, but I never, I I actually went to a Christian school for second grade and that was the only grade. And that was after coming back from the mission field. After that, I was in public schools. Uh, I went to, uh, Colorado state university, a public school. Um, I, I did. I was part of a campus ministry for a year. I did not like it, and so I stopped going to it. Um, and then I came to UW and and uh, another public institution. I have written about Christian education institutions uh, in my first book on uh, evangelicals and Jews and the state of Israel. I spent a lot of time actually studying a particular school in Jerusalem called the American Institute for Holy Land Studies. That was a mix of uh, biblical archaeology, uh, that was the curriculum, but it was also a very political organization that was very interested in, in Israel. And so I got to um, think a lot about Christian education in that v- unique uh, context. And then I've written a lot about theology in seminaries and in Bible institutes, Bible colleges. Um, but it's all sort of secondhand, you know, it's as a historian looking at documents, it's not very much uh, firsthand experience. So I have very little firsthand experience in in Christian education of any type, really, until coming to Upper House, to be well, honest. Well, <laughs> it, it is so interesting because I completely left out my seminary experience. I wasn't even. Oh yes, yet. At, at Gordon, yeah. But so, <laughs> yeah. So that's a whole. But but we do bring our perceptions, like you know, you, you you describing your childhood and your lack of interest in youth group. I guess mm-hmm. that it just didn't strike a chord. I remember, you know, we were less frequent churchgoers, but we would, you know, we would go to church and. I just remember sort of these dark hallways mm. and kind of the chemical smells, you know, where the, 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 you know, the custodian staff, the custodians had, you know, doused the floors, you know, these marble floors or whatever they were with these heavy chemicals. And I just remember that as a kid, I associated youth group and Sunday school with this chemical smell, <laughs> right? And so it's hard to shake that stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't until, you know, I was an adult that, I had experiences where Christian education actually was something that was interesting yeah, and um, didn't have negative associations with it. <laughs> you know, it's so funny, and this just gets at our personality differences, which will come through too, is I, I went to a large, for like middle school, high school, I went to a very large church in Colorado Springs. And the, uh, the youth group was actually called uh, Surge, which was based on a now defunct um, uh, soda drink uh, oh, called yeah. <laughs> which is like super caffeinated yeah. and that's what i associate and and mu- much of youth group and um i won't name the church because i don't want to um sort of put anyone under the bus but you named the soft drink though i did you name the soft <laughs> drink well, and it had a resurgence a few years ago um, a resurgence I a like resurgence it. yeah they probably use that in the in the marketing um but i've associated youth group with the sort of 
uh, just unserious ways of being mm-hmm. a you, you sort of the youth culture. Yeah. I, I, we had, you know, eating contests yeah, and yeah. all that kind of, so that's what I associated with youth group was like, right. I, and it, that's sort of my personality was like, I just want to learn something here. Yeah. I don't actually want to just waste time. And so that was why it sort of drove me away from youth group was going to where in the church, there were people who were actually sort of interested in ideas and, and learning. Um, so much different than the, the chemical smell, but um, I think a, a similar sense that um, uh, wanting to get education at church and trying to seek out, like, where is that uh, in the church that, that that's happening? Yeah, and then yeah. That, that's really interesting. And I guess maybe one other experience I would throw in that I think hopefully just sort of um, kind of mixes up the categories for us. I remember as a seminary student, pretty much getting to the end of the degree and realizing, you know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm sort of training to be a, a leader in the church and I haven't had to do anything in mm. collaboration with any of my peers here. <laughs> it was all solitary work. Wow. And I contrasted that with my MBA, mm. which was, was, was kind of extreme in the opposite direction. Mm. It was just loaded with teamwork. And, um, and so I, you know, I've had time to reflect on that. And I think they're, you know, they, they both make sense. You know, I, I, I sort of get the, the process. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, our experiences um, of Christian education can reinforce um, ideas that, you know, are kind of misplaced ideas. And in some ways they can break paradigms mm-hmm. down that, that, that need to be broken down. And my, certainly my experience of seminary education and and my M- M- MBA program started to jumble the categories in some ways. Yeah, yeah. And they were both really meaningful experiences. Yeah, but yeah. not what I would have expected going in. Very interesting. Well, we're we're going to bring a lot of these uh, personal experiences into some of the interviews that we do, and are obviously shaping the questions that we're asking. Uh, so uh, I want to move on to just what what can listeners expect from this series, and how are we going to approach it? Uh, I've mentioned that we're going to do a series of conversations bookended by the three of us talking. Um, but, uh, in between those, uh, bookends, what do we hope to explore? Uh, Jesse, maybe you can just chime in here on, uh, cause you, you were so uh, instrumental in helping us figure yeah, it out no the, the structure of the series. Yeah. Well, I think the, the basis of the series really comes down to us all wanting to, um, really embrace what we're curious about in terms of this. And I think you'll see some of that as, as uh, even the topics get assigned to different interviewees uh, between these two, um, they're going to be picking topics that are more or less relevant to them. And I think that's really exciting because you'll get a lot of genuineness from each of them about the, the topics that they want to explore and that they're curious about. Um, I know Dan's going to be certainly happy to explore some of the, um, the historical narratives and helping us to understand the framework on how we've gotten to be where we are, mm-hmm. but he's also going to go into stuff that's relevant to him and his life experiences about uh, his life in the university world and the public institution world, um, as well as just some of his uh, relationships with the church and um, how that's been explored. So that that's great. And then John has, a, like we've been talking about, this very different experience with different areas of interest. Um, also, just exploring the different relationships they have with people in the industry. Um, there are so many wonderful connections that these do have that I've been blown away by in the year that I've been here. And, uh, I'm really excited to get to meet some of these people that they rave about and, uh, are excited to talk to. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And then the other side of it is just the arc. Um, we're, we really want to provide a full context and understanding of this concept. Uh, one of the things that we really want to do as a team, uh, in exploring this whole notion of with faith in mind is not beating around the bush, not, not ducking the tough questions, but really exploring things from a, a deep academic understanding, not just a surface level, let's get the gist, but really wanting to uh, dig deep and, and, and understand things at their core and how do they, they matter to us as individuals, how do they matter to us as groups, as institutions, and uh, really just kind of go through the gamut. So we've got, what, 15 different episodes planned? already like that, yeah. uh, for, for this series and growing and yeah. and it's yeah we are not capping it at that so as we uh talk to people if we come up with new stuff uh or uh, i suppose if any of you have uh concepts that you really want to see us explore 
uh, whether it be in, in this specific uh, realm of Christian education at the crossroads or, or others, feel free to reach out to us anytime. Um, you can reach us at podcast at slbrownfoundation.org. Uh, and uh, I'll get that email and we'll, we'll take a look at them. So, And we're going to have some interesting conversations with leaders, um, leading in higher education, leading in primary, secondary education, leading in some of the, in, in the church. Uh, and I, I think those will be fascinating conversations because there are a lot of tensions that these leaders have to to grapple with. I've often said that, you know, being a college president may be the hardest job mm. these days. There's so little margin of, for error. Mm. And, um, and, you know, it's, um, and, you know, the, the tenure just continues to sort of come down, I think, with college presidents. So we're going to talk to a couple college presidents and and get a sense of what it is that they do and why their job, why they enjoy their job and what they find challenging about their work. Yeah. And John, we were just talking about this a couple of days ago. We're sitting here in, you know, in Madison in Big Ten country. And I think it's, um, there's, there've been recently a few announcements of, of further Big Ten schools changing leadership. Yeah. And I think it's about half of the whole Big Ten right now has changed leadership in the last year. I think that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, this is part of the crossroads is we're at a moment when there's a lot of, uh, uh transition happening in the higher education world. Same thing in the Christian education world uh, as well. So um, if you can't tell from how we've been talking, we've, we've storyboarded out a lot of where we want to go in this series, but we're, we're also being flexible. And as we talk to uh, different experts, different leaders, we, we have the, uh, the flexibility to add in uh, conversations and maybe have a few small sub conversations or mini episodes mm -hmm. as as uh, as the opportunities present themselves. So that'll be the the basic structure. Um, it'll either be John or me interviewing most of the people, and Jesse will be uh, hanging out with for all of them uh, as as the producer. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna add in a few things that I'm just thinking through as we're going here. Uh, I want to make sure that people know too that we're gonna have something for everybody in this. I mean, yes, it's very academically minded, and we're taking a very uh, thoughtful approach to this. But I think everybody that would listen to this would find something for themselves. Uh, they'll hear about the struggles of institutions and which is going to be the church for some of us. For some of us, it's going to be the college that we went to or might attend someday. Uh, we're going to be talking about things like access issues as well and financial concerns and, and things that will address hopefully everybody on some level. Uh, and I'm really excited that we're not capping it, even though we're three white adult Christian men all sitting here, uh, that hopefully we can uh, help everybody who's approaching these these concepts together in a way that will meet them where they are. Hmm. I'm wondering if we can wrap up uh, before we just uh, say goodbye, and then uh, the next episodes will be the interviews themselves. Um, we can wrap up each just sharing one sort of big thing we we want to learn about uh, over the course of these interviews. I can start because I've been thinking about this a little, um, but maybe we can all we can all share mm -hmm. one. Um, one thing, and this comes out of working at Upper House, uh, one thing I'm really interested in is how to think about uh, higher education and particularly public higher education in relation to Christian education. So if you just went by the numbers, because high, public higher education is so big in the United States, there are many, many more Christians that work and, and, or, or attend public universities than if you put all the Christian colleges and seminaries together, um, you'd still have far fewer Christians in those settings than you would if you added in all the Big Ten schools and all the uh, SEC schools and, and everybody else. And I don't know exactly what to make of that, except that I think we often overlook that public university setting when we talk about Christian education because, because that's not the the sort of institutional framework the, the institutional framework there is is these are this is a public good this is non-sectarian this is not supposed to be um where christianity or any religion is is advocated and yet if we just sort of added up the numbers there's a story to tell there so i'm curious I, this will not be the the sort of thing i drive all the <laughs> all the people i'm interviewing to but i'm curious if 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 at, by the end of this i can have a better sense of how to think about uh, the literally hundreds of faculty at a place like UW, the thousands of students who are Christians, and and if I can think about them in relation to the big Christian colleges and universities, as opposed to now where they're sort of a separate category, or I'm, I'm just not exactly sure uh, how to connect them. So that'll be an enduring question. I'll think about that from a historical perspective, 
Um, we're going to have a few conversations that deal with uh, public public education and and uh, and the broader higher education world that I think will lend themselves to that as well. So anyway, that's that's just one of the things I'm I'm thinking about going into these interviews. Yeah, that's interesting, and I I think sometimes the perception can be if you're not on the inside of a public institution, the narrative can often be that that it is a place that's antithetical to the Christian faith. Right. That's yeah. even you know hostile. That's um, suppressing. Uh, and that's not been my experience. Um, it is can be a place that does embody some of that uh, in pockets, but it can also be a place that's very open to conversations of meaning, purpose, transcendence, uh, even issues of faith. Um, that's true here at UW-Madison. It mm. was true in some of the other parts of my own educational, you know, history where I went to college and graduate school. It was also my experience in Boston working at MIT and Harvard, mm. that there was real openness. Um, so, I, you know, I'm curious about your question. Um, and in part because I have seen so much light in some of those places. Right. Um, and again, it's the light isn't the whole story, but um, but darkness isn't the whole spiritual darkness isn't the whole story either right and we know yeah. that from our own work here right yeah. that it's it's you don't want to entirely ignore the the predominant way people understand higher education but there's so much happening at a place like uw madison that um looks a lot like christian higher education or christian education and yet just is never classified that way yeah. it's never it's either a sort of a an exception or talked about in a different way and um uh, yeah, I think I think the 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 hunch I have is it's more complicated, and I want to yeah. sort of put some meat on that that hunch uh, through yeah. these conversations. And we're going to talk a little bit about Christian Studies Centers because that's our context. But we've had experiences experiences in campus ministries as well, and there are lo- dozens and dozens of campus ministries at a place like UW Madison, right? And that and they're they're very active, and they have you know hundreds thousands of students are involved in these organizations. So we'll we'll explore that along the way as well, right? Well, that's good. I think your questions are interesting. Um, my my questions are. I want to be hopeful. I, there's there are a lot of reasons not to be hopeful. I think there's a real demographic cliff that's taking place. There are you know more people that identify themselves as um, you know non affiliated with any religious institution or any faith tradition. Mm-hmm. And so, if you just look at the numbers. Um, it can be a bit depressing. It feels like faith is on the margins in some ways, and increasingly so. I think we originally we were playing around with the original title for the series as "Christian Education in Crisis." I think, and we went we wanted to actually move away a little from that for this very reason: is we yeah. didn't want to sort of predetermine that it's going to be this alarmist uh, sort of negative yeah. conversation. Yeah. So, so I'm looking yeah. forward to the good stories and even the stories of struggle, but the little glimmers of hope and the possibilities. Cause I do think that um, the church can grow, can be strong that, you know, we can, the church can continue to educate people. Well, it's a story that, that needs to be told. Um, it's a tradition that, that brings real life and meaning uh, and a sense of purpose and coherence. And so I'm, I'm really excited to explore, you know, the challenges um, at all levels, but to also hear stories of hopefulness and um, innovation mm. and discovery. Yeah. You know, that actually gets me really excited, too. Um, I think one of the things that's lacking in our culture today, in America specifically, but lots of places around the world, is that there's a lack of public discourse about things that really matter. Mm. There's yeah. a lack of public discourse about things that are are not just a two-second soundbite that sells real easily uh, or grabs hits or likes on, on a, uh, social media, uh, but that we would actually be exploring these things in a real deep way and opening up public discourse and allowing people to hear and see and experience what's going on around them that they're not a privy to because it's below the surface. Yeah. So I'm really excited about just exploring things on that level and putting it out in the public setting. Um, and we really hope, I think as I can speak for us all as a team, is that everybody comes away from this with a semblance of, of hope about w- not necessarily where things are even headed, but where things can go and how they can be a part of making things better. 
Um, and I think public discourse about things in a, in a more complicated and deep and um, intentional way is really one of the places where we can get that started. Yeah, I, I, there's been so few times in my life where I have, if you really do pay attention to someone and sort of recognize the fullness of their humanity, I can't think of a, a situation in my, li- in my life where that wasn't received well. Uh, but there are so many forces that push against that kind of conversation, that kind of relational depth. And I think Christian education has an opportunity to move in the direction of holism, uh, in the direction of the recognition and the honoring of the full humanity of, of individuals. And that, that can feel really unique. And that's why I'm hopeful, because I do think that that is, um, that is a, a breath of fresh air, so to speak, in a culture that I think has lost some capacity to do that. Well, I'm excited to uh, start the journey uh, together. We have a lot of work ahead of us. Um, for listeners, if uh, a- after you hear this, if you're interested in asking us any questions, leaving us any comments, uh, once again, the email is podcast at slbrownfoundation.org. Upper House is also on most of the social media platforms with the uh, handle at Upper House UW. So feel free to leave us comments there as well. So really enjoyed talking to to both of you today. For John, Jesse, and me, we just look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and give us a rating on your favorite podcast app. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming events at upperhouse.org and our other podcast, Upwards, where we dig deeper into the topics our in-house guests are passionate about. With Faith in Mind is supported by the Stephen and Laurel Brown Foundation. It is produced at Upper House in Madison, Wisconsin. Hosted by Dan Hummel and John Turrell, our executive producer and editor is Jesse Koopman. Please follow us on social media with the handle at Upper House UW.